Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the day with the story, themes, and motifs of a treasured or tortured piece of cinema. Yeah. There are some people who get tortured this week. <laughs> but it's okay because they're the bad guys. Because right? they are the trash. <laughs> uh, well, some things also get thrown in the trash in this movie. Important things. Oh. This is the first time I've ever watched this movie and noticed that. So we'll You never noticed that before? Never, not even oh, a little bit. Nope. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely get into it. Uh, all right. But before we do that, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, we're just going to sort of get right into the movie. As a quick introduction, though, let's do a... Well, yeah. Uh, before we even get into that, I want oh. to say this is our 52nd episode. That's right. We have done a year's worth of episodes of The Crosscut. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Can you uh, please rate, review, and subscribe? <laughs> recommend to your friends. Uh, this is a lot. And, you know, it's a lot of stuff that we've put together. In fact, I think uh, on like the Spotify like year in review thing, yeah, like, year wrapped, like we put out more content than like ninety three percent of people who put content out in this like category of like movie stuff. That's right. So we're doing it. We did we did a whole thing. A whole thing. That's right. Be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, should we go ahead and get into the news? Yeah. Well, uh, the movie that we are watching this week mm. is Home Alone. That's right. And so, you know, if you happen to have gotten stuck uh, with your family in Paris while you're listening to this podcast by yourself under the covers of bed uh, waiting for burglars to attack, uh, you've chosen the right, right option. Sure. Is there a Paris in the Midwest? <laughs> no, I mean, there's Paris, Texas, mm. famously, Wim Wenders. Yes. Uh, there is Paris. Yeah. I, I. Well, and the only reason I ask is because there are probably lots of people stuck places in the Midwest right now. So. Oh, well, how about that for a nice little tie-in? Hey, hey. Well, let's talk about the news for just a brief moment, and then cool. we'll just jump right into the story. Great. The holidays are upon us, and this week Poison Control released a list of their most common holiday hazards in an effort to keep celebrations as safe as possible. In addition to that, most of the nation is currently experiencing the effects of a massive winter storm surge that has created problems for people from the Plains and the Midwest Midwest, all the way to the East Coast. So, because we have the combination of... Uh, terrible winter weather yep. causing massive travel delays and also uh this article that is sort of making its it making the rounds i guess in a lot of different like local papers about sure. holiday hazards yeah. clearly we had to do a uh, classic christmas <laughs> film yeah that has to do with both uh holiday travel and household hazards number one uh number one thing that is a hazard this holiday is getting stuck in a room with that one relative who will not stop talking about absolutely random nonsense. Uncle Frank. Uh, yeah. In this case, Uncle Frank in the movie. We've yeah. all got an Uncle Frank. Yeah. No, but I think I think the uh, dynamics in the family here, mm-hmm. while uh, a little bit all over the place, yeah. like certainly represent some real life dynamics. Uh, the film uh, Home Alone was written by, of course, you mentioned him earlier. John Hughes. John Hughes, who also wrote Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which was our Thanksgiving episode. That's right. We're doing a Hughes uh, holiday, I guess, series this yeah, year. Yeah, it's know. a huge Hughes hubbubaloo. So for the prequel to this episode, I guess, go <laughs> right. back and listen to our Biscuits episode yes. from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so this one's not going to be as tasty, but it, you know, it'll it's a better movie, so at least there's that. Um, Much less tasty, according to Poison Control. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, hopefully, yeah. The uh, so, do you uh, remember? I mean, obviously, you when we started watching the movie, you were like, "I've seen the beginning of this movie a thousand times." Yeah. I don't need to, to jump right in, but like, do you remember who the first actor that we are presented with in the film is? Well, no, I was getting my wine at that moment. <laughs> uh, is it Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci, yeah. yeah. So surprisingly, this movie starts out like in the foyer of the house with Joe Pesci dressed as a police officer mm-hmm. trying to find an adult. But what's going on? The kids are running the entire house. The inmates are running the asylum. Like they are just bouncing around, chasing after each other, trying to get ready for their trip to Paris, the, the family. Um, is represented by two groups. So there is the uh, Chicago, the Illinois McAllisters, mm-hmm. the Ohioan McAllisters, and they are they've come together right. in in this. Uh, Peter and Kate are the parents, uh, played by um, 
John Hurt and uh, the the wonderful uh, Catherine O'Hara. Mm-hmm. And they have hosted this gathering. They're then going to be flying out of Chicago and going to Paris to visit the other brother whose name is Rob. So that's the setup. They're getting ready for all of this stuff. So chaos ensues. And in that time, Joe Pesci's character, uh, Harry, is trying to find, uh, like, basically a little information about their schedule. Because he is a burglar. That's right. He is a potentially hazardous person. Yes. And a, a very guest hazardous person. In their home. To himself and others. Right. Which actually leads us to our very first recommendation by the uh, by poison control. Okay. And that has to do with guests uh, coming into your home and posing a hazard. Because of COVID? Not because of COVID <laughs> okay. and not because they are an undercover burglar pretending yeah. to be a cop, but because they might have potentially dangerous items in their bags or purses. So the recommendation is to give guests a safe space to lock up potential, or which is best or preferred, lock up any potentially dangerous items. And those things might include uh, marijuana edibles. Sure. Or medicines, vapor, vape, vaping items yeah. or, or cigarettes or whatever. Um, Lighters, ha- I imagine, yeah. Hand sanitizers are also on the list, I guess, if you have young, young they children. They drink it or something, yeah. Right. So just giving uh, grownups who come into your home a place to put away, potentially lock away their bags yeah. so that your children don't get into them. Now, uh, we could have, of course, done uh, Ghostbusters. And the problem there is the closet where you throw your jackets and purses is occupied by a hellhound. That's that's true. Yeah. So just be careful. Also dangerous this time of year, hellhounds. <laughs> be careful, folks. Yeah. Uh so anyway, uh the the whole introduction is structured around the family's relationship to each other, but also specifically their relationship to Kevin McAllister, played by a very young Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, he was was he he was in like at least one other thing I think before this, but this was his first big breakout role. This was his big sure. thing, yeah. Now, uh, the the thing that I had a question about mm-hmm. that I wanted to research going into this was like, who are all these kids? Okay, because there are how many people do you remember had to go to the airport? Um, well, there were eleven children: yep. um, five boys, six girls, three dogs, two drivers, and a partridge in a pear tree. There you go, according right. to Heather. Yes. So, do you know who Heather is? I, you know what? So I did look her up, and I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't mean the actress. I mean like, oh. like in the in the context of the movie. Heather is the child of the the uncle who lives in Paris. Very good. Yeah, I didn't know that until like literally five minutes ago. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because the dad, um, I think, said that. Or no, because when Joe Pesci was asking, she's like, my parents live in Paris. Right. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. So Heather is the one kid from Paris who made the trip. Uh, She is the daughter of Rob and Georgette, Mm. who live in Paris. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also have the Ohio McAllisters. So the parents are Frank and Leslie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Frank is portrayed as the, uh, if, if you could make an uncle, like the dirty old uncle, like the sort of scumbum. Tries to steal the silverware from the airplane. Right. Uh, like He's got that, opinions that about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he has five children uh, with his wife. Tracy, Rod, Sandra, Brooke, and Fuller. Mm-hmm. Uh, you eagle-eyed viewers at home may recognize Fuller as actually being Kieran Culkin, who is Macaulay Culkin's younger brother. That's right. Also uh, very good in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, wonderful in Succession. So he's, he's, a, he's a really good actor. I have not seen Succession, but I know he's in it. I've only seen some of the first season, but the he, he's good in it. Certainly plays that role. Uh, and then we have the people who own the house, uh, Peter and Kate, who I mentioned before. They have five children, Buzz, Megan, Lenny, Jeff, and Kevin. Too many children. Very Yes, very much so. Uh, other people who are my age may recognize Jeff as Pete, one of the Petes one from of Pete Pete's. and Pete, the older mm-hmm. Pete. Yeah. So... That's the layout of the families. Uh, I, I really never took that in because it's not important. You never took in that, like the fam, the family dynamics. I just never, I never like gave a gave much attention to who these kids are, who they belong to. I just knew, okay, the opening of the movie, chaos, right? That chaos leads to him being left home alone. That's all I knew. 
Yeah. I And so the, what's interesting is Hughes does a good job, actually good job for the grownups watching of explaining exactly like why all this chaos is happening, right. how this child does in fact get left home alone. Like those things actually do get explained. They are explained in the visual narrative. But yeah. if you are a child, like we were when this came out, you're, you're, you're just like, why is this uncle such a jerk? Yeah. Why is there pizza that's not available to this child? Right. What is, you know, what what's happening with all of this? And, and I think that watching it now as a grown-up, you can say, oh, okay, I I understand how they're trying to explain away this massive child neglect. That's yeah. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and also what they do in that first 10 minutes. So it's very economical. Like mm-hmm. everything in the first 10 minutes is really aimed towards setting up the rest of the movie and like why it happens. Right. And so a couple things that are worth mentioning, um, the, obviously all the stuff with Joe Pesci that we talked about. So mm-hmm. he is there kind of just like, not in the background, but like just at on standby, right? It's like anytime we need to set up something about like, oh, your home is going to be the subject of an invasion. Like we just cut back to Joe Pesci and he's like, so what do you do to keep your house safe? He's like, oh, we got timers on the lights and we lock the doors it's as much as anyone can do these days. It's like, okay, great. So now we know where, what the starting point is for Kevin, right? right. So we know that. Um, when the pizza d- gets delivered, right? It's the same pizza kid that we're going to see later on. Mm-hmm. And so we get a little bit of like his characterization as kind of a laid back, like easily, you know, very interested with. in a good tip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, um, he brings in their pizza and, and that, you know, moves them forward into the kitchen, mm-hmm. which is the inciting incident of like why the tickets eventually get lost. Right. So somebody decided to order 10 pizzas yeah. and only one of them be a cheese, cheese pizza. Like why? Even though there are like tons of kids here who would probably only eat plain cheese pizza. Yeah. 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 I, I'm trying to like wrap my brain around the decision to not give like at least a third of your pizzas yeah. when you have children. Should we just have be 11 kids, cheese. 11 yeah. kids in the house, only four adults. Mm-hmm. Like four adults can share two pizzas. Right. There's no... There's no need or indication that you should have that many, like, what do you say, sausage and olive? Like, what a weird combo. They're strange people. This is, you know what? Mm. This is Chicago. People in Chicago don't know pizza. Y'all are dumb. (laughs) Y'all order casseroles and call it pizza. I mean, I like a deep dish pizza. You know what? Deep dish pizza is fine. It's not, I'm not complaining about the actual product. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to order a a regular, straight up, normal person's pizza, y'all got to get, get with it. Like, you can't be putting random stuff on there. Sure. Well, Got a, so, what, like a bratwurst and sauerkraut on your pizza? So Get out we, of here. Do we want to walk through the inciting incident? Yeah. So I was going to mention this. So uh, Kevin ha- is comes in late because uh, he's typically the last one called. He was asking kid, other kids to help him pack his bag. Right. And they were like, no, blah, blah, blah. Get out of here. And then the pizza shows up. They all run down. He's the last one in. Um, and he, he sees Joe Pesci at the front door, mm-hmm. notices his gold tooth. Yep. Uh, which comes back later and then goes in to get his pizza. His pizza is gone because his bully older brother, Buzz, has eaten it all. That's right. Buzz is a jerk. Buzz is a jerk. And then Buzz... All of his... all Every single person in this house is a jerk except for Kevin McAllister. He's a little bit of a jerk. He's a little bit of a jerk, but, like, he's also the youngest, and so, like, he may be, like, I don't know. He, I mean, he's not very kind to his mom, but also his, his mom, mom is not, not kind, very to him. kind to him. No. Yes, hurt people, hurt people. But yeah, and also here's the thing. We'll get into it in a second. Let me just get through. <laughs> so, uh, so he, what happens is his uh, brother Buzz says he ate ate all the pizza and then he pretends to like vomit it up, and that's the last straw for Kevin, who then pushes him back, causes a, well, I believe the technical term is kerfluffle, mm-hmm. um, which spills some Pepsi product placement right uh on to the tickets onto the whole counter onto the whole whole everything where, where the, the tickets, tickets are. are um one of those tickets in the process of trying to like clean up that uh pepsi gets thrown into the trash can right now, which why, is a, a, a thing that you couldn't have today because your tickets are just on your phone that's right now why is this important i had to think about it for a second mm. it was like because if they got there if they got right. to the airport and had a ticket with no child associated right. they would be they would be stopped and be like oh 
well, I should go back home. One of us has to go back home. The rest of you go. We'll catch the next flight, yep. whatever. Exactly. And so that's why it's important that, that that ticket got put away. But the rest of them, the dad says he put in the microwave to dry them off, which is lunacy. <laughs> yes. He, these parents are very dumb people. Y- yes. You just hang it up. Well, so before we move on, though, yeah. Buzz fake puked up his pizza. Yeah, he did. However, getting back to our list from uh, Poison Control, we know that you should be using, according to number 10, tip number 10 out of 12 from them, you should make sure that you're using food safety uh, prevention tips. Yeah. Uh, and th- we're linking to this in the in the show notes, but just make sure that you are avoiding severe illness by cooking your foods to the right temperature, which kills germs and prevents people from getting sick. Make sure that you're using a food thermometer this year um, and that foods are cooked to a safe internal temperature. Uh, and that temperature will vary depending on the food. So if you're cooking a steak, like you can get that to 125 and you're good. If you're cooking ground beef, you're going to go to 160. Yeah. So make sure that you're being safe so that you don't puke either pizza. actual puke or uh, fake puke up your brother's pizza. That's right. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that all, all good recommendations. Um, the last thing that's kind of important to mention, well... I would say important. I don't think this means anything to the plot of the story, really. But okay. I, guess, I think they just needed to add a little bit of time. Uh, is that the the three brothers mm-hmm. um, end up upstairs? So Kevin, uh, Pete from Pete and Pete, and Buzz uh, end up looking out the window and they see one of their neighbors who walks around with a trash can full of salt and a and a shovel and is salting the driveways. And the the sidewalks. That's right. The dude is lovely. Like he's being very nice to everyone in this he neighborhood. He is a he is a perfectly nice gentleman. And yeah. again, shame on these parents. Yeah. For, for not being like, hey, that's Mister So and So. Isn't he so kind? Yeah. Don't shouldn't you know your neighbors? Like whatever. Anyway, um, it's very nice that that they he was spreading the salt out. However, uh, Buzz puts in Kevin's mind the idea that like. I don't know, he's killed a bunch of people, like his family or something. He's Very somehow morbid. a mass murderer, and yeah. the salt is turning them into zombies. M- mummies. Mummies. Actually, and yeah, Kevin is like, mummies. <laughs> Which I think is like very, very much the case. Like Cassius will fixate on specific like, you know, monster creatures. Right. Witches being his like current, you know, Piccadillo. Minotaur. Oh, God. With he's the very into Minotaurs oh, man. right now. He's like, Dada, can you show me a picture of a Minotaur in the labyrinth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, and, and so it's clear that that Kevin McAllister is fixating on this. And they use that old guy throughout the rest of the movie in times where they need to, like, get Kevin to sort of freak out, right? Right. Well, and so speaking of snow, uh, and this will be our, our third item, but this is number six on the list from Poison Control, uh, is actually have to do with, uh, has to do with uh, snow spray. Oh, okay. So fake snow should oh. only be used in areas that have good air circulation, outside is best, to prevent inhaling potentially harmful fumes and should be kept away from flames. Yeah. And definitely don't do whippets off of it. Ugh. Just kidding. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, I that have no idea. That was... <laughs> very bad for your lungs. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sure would be. <laughs> so that's why I said, don't do it. See, I'm helping. He said, don't do it. I'm okay, helping, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there, the one, there, there are a couple final things that happen before we get into the main crux of the story. Mm-hmm. The first is the power goes out because right. there's a big storm. Uh, I did not remember like the that being a thing. Right. Uh, I just remembered they woke up late. And I didn't remember why. Right. But they seed it or they plant it and pay it off so immediately. The power goes out, which turns which turns off their alarms. alarm clocks. Which and, again, nowadays would be your phone, but Right. Um, and the people show up at eight uh to take them to the airport. That's right. And they are all still asleep. Right. And so they wake up and they're like, We slept in. Who sleeps until eight? A- who sleeps until eight? With that 8 many kids in the house? You kidding you have me? Five children and you yeah. can sleep till eight AM. Mm. You do not deserve to go to Paris. I mean sure. your life is good enough. <laughs> uh that's fair. Yeah, they seem to have a lovely, lovely home. <laughs> Just stay there. <laughs> uh but anyway, the yeah, so they they scramble, you see everything shot in fast motion, they get into it, and then uh they all get out there and they leave it to Heather mm-hmm. to count the the kids. She's doing a head count. She knows she needs 11. Um, I originally thought that the reason she miscounted was because Buzz was like 87, 41, 93. Buzz is just being a jerk. Being a jerk. And she's like, okay, knock it off, Buzz. But instead. But actually what it was is one of the neighbor kids came over. And, and was just going was through just, their things? Just like going through the vans, talking to the drivers, talking about what he was doing, which was apparently going to Orlando. And so 
the the prop like like that's a little bit of a stretch but i get it like he crawls into one of the things goes through their uh bag finds a camera takes a picture and as he's doing that heather taps him on the back of the head and counts like number eight or whatever right and then she counts 11 kids so she assumes they're all good now what you want to do if you're a parent is you want to make sure you have eyes on eyes right it's not just i'm counting a person in a hat i'm counting i see your face i know it's you here's the thing these are both families with five children each yeah by the time the fifth child comes along you just don't have it in you yeah anymore to care about all of the children the way that you do with with one child, like, you yeah. know, you're vigilant Yes, with one right. child. With five children, I imagine, because I, I have two and I'm almost there, is you're <laughs> just, you're done. You're yeah. exhausted. So you will have to figure this out on your own. The kids <laughs> will manage themselves. Yes. Anyway, the kids do manage themselves to get in. Oh, I mean, you know, look, you got a, a 10 out of 11. <laughs> that's over 90%. You're doing pretty good. That's A. <laughs> um, you get all, uh, 10 out of 11 kids into the vans get to the airport, they're late, so they have to rush to their plane. They get in, doing great. And then the kids are sitting in coach, but the parents have gotten themselves first-class tickets. So mm-hmm. now you have all four parents not sitting anywhere near their kids, and they're, they're in. You find uh, the reason they leave Kevin. The McAllisters are rich. Okay, so I was going to bring this up. <laughs> uh, this is This is not something that has been uh like gone unnoticed right like i think people of our generation who grew up watching this movie are like wait a second who can afford a house that is that looks like that that is that large in this lovely suburb and also afford a vacation for a 15 people to paris for christmas right like what does this dad do right. what does this mom do like what is their like how how uh-huh. do they have this money um no one has given us an answer to that <laughs> question sure but in the after they all sort of head to the airport, Kevin wakes up and he's wandering around the house, right? It's like, just kind of like, huh, nobody's here. I'm just like, you know, by myself. And you do get to see a lot of the house in that moment. That's right. And you know what? I couldn't help but notice as he was walking through the home. Upstairs, there's a poinsettia. Okay. In the kitchen. Uh-huh. Poinsettia. Okay. All sorts of Christmas decorations, but also poisonous plants, which brings us to tip number four from uh, poison control, which is to not decorate your house with plants that are poisonous if you have young kids or pets. Yes. So, you know, be careful. Also, it turns out... If you want to kill a poinsettia, Jesse has some (laughs) tips. (laughs) I was at Costco a couple years ago in the holidays, and I was like, oh, man, these beautiful poinsettias. I'm going to be the type of mom that has poinsettias around the house. <laughs> I'm going to decorate our front porch, brought them home. These two giant, giant poinsettias, put them on the front porch. A cold snap happened. Well, and to your credit, you put them on the front porch and it was probably like 51 degrees outside. It was not too cold. Well, that night though, it got but very cold. But that night cold. it dropped like 40 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And woke up in the morning and these poor dead poinsettias were just on their complete like last gasping breath. I mean, they were life. brown and drooped over <laughs> just like, th- th- there's not a plant I've ever seen that has looked more dead than those plants. Yeah. So I brought them inside to try and save them and they smelled to high heaven. Yeah. Folks, I don't know what is happening when a poinsettia's life is escaping its little plant body but it smells terrible and it will smell up your whole house and eventually i just had to take these poor lifeless poinsettias and toss them into the trash can after a single day of them surviving it would have been better christmas spirit just to light 40 dollars on fire (laughs) yeah i mean it was at least a good deal (laughs) But yes, so getting back to the house, uh, as Kevin was waking up, we see a lot of the house. And here's what I like about this, right? So I think everyone knows the house was actually built inside of a school gymnasium. There's a really good uh, show about this on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do Home Alone. um, And and they talked about how they saw the externals of the house are all shot in this really exclusive, like fancy neighborhood in Chicago. uh, But the interior was all built. Right. So it was all built in sets right. in, in a uh, uh, high school gymnasium. Well, uh, the way that they designed it is like so reminiscent of like the houses that friends that I had in the 
like in when I was growing up were like, and mm-hmm. it's not like the size and the scope or whatever, but the place wasn't immaculate. You see a lot of houses in movies nowadays and they're like, it's like sterile almost. Yeah. They're like showrooms. And I feel like this was interesting because it was like, we're not trying to be fancy. It's trying to be lived in. It's a house with, with five children. They just had 11 children there for the last, like mm-hmm. however long, like week or so. And so it's, it's chaos and it should look like it's lived in, like it's filled with stuff and it can be, a place that looks wealthy, but still a place that looks like it's someone's home. Right. You know? So I, I appreciated that. I thought it was nice, uh, a nice part of, you know, the, the movie. But I also think like, you know, this house has been talked about in popular culture forever. So we don't need to get into it too much, but I, I do at least appreciate the fact that the production design made it look like a real home, not like uh, some stately manor or something. Right. Well, and even the basement, itself is just i mean it's huge but it's kind of filled with a bunch of clutter it's like dark and dingy it's like not a place it's not like a finished basement you want to hang out in it's like just a place you go to do the the work and then get out of there they've got so much random garbage in this this basement i was like what is this basement but then i mean again it makes sense i mean you know our garage is filled with lots of random stuff and especially if you don't live there and know like why they happen to have this mannequin yeah. bust or whatever um it just looks like a bunch of nonsense garbage that could get thrown away yeah uh yep um and so we the the sort of second act is basically just following kevin uh through like trying to live in this house right mm-hmm. and then also following the parents as they realize on while on the plane he's not there right and so, you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara's character is trying to get back, um, coming from France, trying to go through all the different cities she can find. Um, I think ends up going like... She lands in Texas. Yeah. And then she goes up to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then it catches a, a ride with uh, someone from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's right. John Candy. Love uh, John Candy. He's, he's great in this movie. Uh, he's in it for a limited amount of time, but he's uh, just like... I think we talked about in the scene where he's like, oh, you know, I'm uh, from the, I got my, my band here. We got those hit songs, you know, polka, polka, polka and whatever. It's like, oh, these are, these are songs. <laughs> the whole scene is fantastic. And, yeah. It's great. Really like John Candy in this movie. Um, and so I think that, uh, he does a better version of what he did in planes, trains and automobiles in this movie. Cause it's a little bit less like the same note over and it's over more again. reined in it's a little bit more refined because he's only in it for a little bit and i'm sure that there was probably some really good editing yes yeah, yeah. um but but kevin McAllister is at this point so he he does a couple things uh one he finds uh, there was a movie he was not allowed to watch because his uncle frank wouldn't let him watch it angels and demons no, no. devils and angels angels in america no i'm just kidding that's not it angels with filthy souls there you go so he uh watched that movie Kind of freaked him out a little bit, but he's like, he's also eating all the ice cream you can find. Mm-hmm. He's also digging into the candy, having a party, like, like just, you know, he's very excited that his family is not there because the last thing he said before he went up to the attic to go to sleep that night was, I wish I never saw any of you again, because they'd all been mean to him. They'd been jerks. Right. And I think like, as two parents who have been working with like behavior with our children and stuff like that, and we've like adopted the idea of like gentle parenting and all this kind of stuff, like... None of the interactions the adults have with these kids <laughs> treat them like they're children. Like the Uncle Frank is like, "What are you? Why are you being such a little jerk?" It's like, "What? He was an accident. He spilled some Pepsi. Calm down, Frank. You're an adult. You should not be like so abusive." And then his mom is like, uh, "It's like I don't know, just like very like treating him like logicking him into a answer is gonna make him be a better." like listener or something. I don't well, know. I, you know, I think the thing that's interesting is I'm sure that parents watch this and I, as a parent, watch this and see the way that Kevin McAllister talks to his mom. Yeah. And I'm just like, Ugh, that is um, a pretty terrible way to talk, talk yeah. to your parents. And I know, I know for a fact that there are parents who watched this and they're like, like, he's a bad influence on, on kids or sure. whatever. But how many, I do wonder how many parents watched this and were thinking to themselves, wow, these, these grownups are a, terrible yeah like this is absolutely like yes kevin is a child and he says terrible things but like these are really these parents are saying really terrible things yeah yeah (laughs) or where they were just like i don't know that's how you parent that's the 80s and 90s it's just the way things are i think that's what it was i think (laughs) i think they just had not like it's wild that human beings have been around for like ten thousand years and we still don't really know how to parent effectively like it's very strange anyway uh 
The the one thing I will bring up, the do you know the director of the film? Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus. Do you know what else he's directed? The Pinta, the Nina, and the Santa Maria. Do you know what else the film director Chris Columbus <laughs> has directed? Um I uh, I mean he it's been like some of stuff. your wait, was it Batman? Nope. No. No. Okay, then no. Okay, so some one of your favorite wizards. Oh, this is I didn't. Uh, he directed the first two Harry Potter. Oh, that's right. So, I was Sorcerer's yes, yes, Stone yes. and Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. That's right. I was like, I do know he's done yeah. stuff that I've he, seen. He, I, you know, I like some of the movies he's done. This one, obviously, Home Alone two. He did. He also did Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm. But like, so much of his directorial like backlog is like really not good. Mm-hmm. So he did his first film was Adventures in Babysitting, which is is charming. It's a, a nice you know. A movie about kids. Have you ever seen it? I have a long time ago. Yeah. It, it sort of goes on for a little bit. It's, yeah, it's an hour and 42 minutes, but it feels longer. Yeah. And uh, my favorite part is that there's like a little girl in there who believes that the parking lot attendant is like the superhero Thor, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny. Uh, he, he did a movie called Heartbreak Hotel, which was not great. And then he did Home Alone, which was this one. He did uh, Only the Lonely Home, Home Alone 2. Then he went into Mrs. Doubtfire, which was like surprisingly like a massive hit. Yeah. Um, and from that, he went on to Nine Months, which I saw, but was not very good. Uh, the movie Stepmom with uh, Susan Sarandon and I think Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And then he did Bicentennial Man. Yeah. Which we almost kind of sort of th- th- thought about covering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Harry Potter films. He did Rent. He did I Love You, Beth Cooper. Uh, the Percy Jackson movies uh, or movie, the first one. They did Pixels and then The Christmas Chronicles Part 2. So that's it in terms of direction. But I just, I think he's like a little saccharine, schmaltzy, like, and then very, like, of an era. Like, if you want a movie to look like Home Alone, he'll do that for you. But that's kind of kind of where Chris Columbus is. I I don't think he's, um, I would not choose him as, like, a director of note. That's, Even though he's had an interesting career, but it's not. Yeah. He's done a lot of stuff, but I wouldn't say that any of this is particularly art artsy. Yeah. And I feel bad because he's an NYU alum. So, you know, good good for you. I like a lot of his movies, so I don't feel bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also got his first screenplay, like, uh, purchased when he was a sophomore in NYU. Uh, and it never got produced, but he made money off of it. And I'm like, man, get the hell out of nice. here. Like, you just grew up in an era where people were throwing money around. It's ridiculous. Anywho... So uh, getting back to the movie, uh-huh. uh, a couple things that, that are important for Kevin McAllister. He does go down into that basement to right. do some laundry at some point. And every time he goes down there, he like sees the furnace and like has in his imagination the fact that it's like opening up and spewing flames and it's going to like eat him or something like that. But as he goes down to do his laundry, he turns around and says, oh, shut up. And then it's like it closes up and, and the imagination's no longer there. Right. It it does this thing where it, it he has this fear, mm-hmm. right? This sort of childish fear. And it, it, you, it's basically like him growing up in a sense, I yeah. think, right? Him like realizing that like, it's actually not that scary and, and him not being such a baby as his sister put it at the beginning of the film. Right. And I think that's a, a big thing where a, a big part of the film um where it, he is learning throughout the film to grow up and sort of take care of himself and not rely on others. Cause it's silly, but like the big part of the beginning of the film was like him getting other people to help him pack. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing. Right. But he was just like, I don't know what to do. And this is a part where he's like, well, I have to figure out what to do. And he is smart and he is, you know, innovative and uh, has ingenuity, but he just never applied it. And so now he has to. And so he is right. right? So um, he's also getting over those sort of childish fears of like the furnace after seeing the furnace, he like walks outside of his uh, house. He's like, I'm not afraid anymore. Well, speaking of the mm. furnace, maybe he should be a little afraid. Oh, okay. According to poison control. <laughs> sure. Uh, so furnaces, uh, especially gas and oil burning furnaces, produce carbon monoxide. And number seven on our list from poison control is beware of carbon monoxide, which kills hundreds of people every year and makes thousands more sick. Wow. So have, make sure you have working CO2. Uh, CO detectors in every level of your home. And if the alarm sounds at any time, get out of the house right away and call for help if your phones are working. Right. Uh, Unlike the McAllister's home. Yes. Speaking of calling for help, Mm. uh, when he runs out and he says he's not afraid anymore, who does he bump into? 
the old man with the shovel from across the way. Yay. And well, not yay for him. Well. Ah, for him. Mm-hmm. And he runs back inside and he hides under the covers, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is also a time when now the the wet bandits, who I, I haven't mentioned before, but it's um, Joe Pesci, Harry and his buddy Marv. Uh, they are breaking into other houses in the area. So we see them inside of one house. Mm-hmm. They've actually early on started to go into the McAllister house. Um, but Kevin switched on a light and they're like, oh, we got to get out of here. Right. So they've gone to another house, but the McAllisters are calling all of their neighbors to say like, hey, if you're around, try and find my kid. That's right. They're in the Murphy's home. Sure. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. All of these like Irish and Scottish names, just sure. know, white families. <laughs> uh, and so they hear that on the answering machine and say like, see, they are gone. They're in Paris. All right. Mm-hmm. We're going back to that house tonight. So they go back to the house and and uh, Harry says to Marv, he's like, all right, go check it out. And as Marv goes in there to try and like investigate the door, uh, Kevin turns on the TV and he starts playing that movie again where there's like a gangster thing going on. So he sees Marv hears that happen. He freaks out. Kevin, I guess, realizes at this point he can use that on the pizza guy as well. And so we hear we have that same scene sort of repeated so that he gets pizza. Right. I think that was unnecessary, but fine, whatever. Got to um, have hijinks. Yeah, but the same hijinks twice. And like, you got to explain how he's eating, I guess. But I, I mean, I feel like there's food in that house. <laughs> Either way, point being, um, you know, he uh, he does that. And then the he overhears the. Um, so he does all that, but he knows those those guys are going to come back and he dresses up his like cutouts of like Michael Jordan. And like, he, for some reason, they have like mannequins in the house and he rings them up on like pulleys and wires and stuff and plays music. So it's like they're having a Christmas party. So the wet bandits leave. And, you know, the, 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 inti- the middle portion of this film is largely about the wet bandits trying to come in, Kevin setting up some way to keep them from coming in. Right. And then they eventually come back to his house and, uh, and Harry looks in sees that the kid's all alone and turns to Marv and says, he's home alone, which at the, at that time you pointed at the screen you're like, that's the name of the movie. Right. Right. Um, but you know, we also have had a couple of other little things that Kevin does. So he, uh, steals a toothbrush by accident mm-hmm. and, and runs across a frozen, uh, pond. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm just guessing now what the hazards are that you want to talk about. What? And so I oh. assume maybe running across frozen ponds is a hazard. Uh, not according to poison control, but, but okay. also be careful, I guess, with ponds. No. Well, so before we move on from the wet bandits, uh, you know, Marv. Yeah. Is, uh, why are they called the wet bandits? Yeah. Why are they called the wet bandits? Because he's sticking cloth in their kitchen sinks and turning on the water and just completely flooding the house to just be like an extra sociopath about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah. So creating a water hazard in the home, but do you know what else is a water hazard in the home? Um, old cups that have mold in them. Water absorbing gel balls and beads. Oh yeah, those have been a hazard around here. Which I thought were so. I saw them in a parenting. Uh, I saw them in a parenting post at one point, and I was like, oh, this will be fun uh, to have the kids be able to play with a sensory bin or whatever. And then we get them. Somebody got them for us off of a list, um, which was very kind of them. But then we we get them, and forces like, oh no, this will kill our children. Yeah. So they're these little tiny balls that are like the size of a grain of rice, basically. And they end up uh, expanding in water. But the problem is if you have somebody who is young or who has uh, disabled or like disabilities in some way and can't maybe advocate for themselves, if they swallow it or it gets in their ear, it can expand to a very large size and become very, very dangerous, even though they are, quote unquote, non-toxic. Right. It's the toxicity is not the issue. It's the fact that they absorb liquid and then expand. Right. So it can expand in your throat and get caught. Mm-hmm. It can expand inside your stomach and you're not able to pass it. And right. so you have to have surgery to have it removed. Like these things, I don't how these are recommended for children. I do not understand. Like what you mentioned is that they start out like so small. Right. That like you could drop it on the floor and not notice it. Right. And then it ends up like in your dog's water. And all of a sudden, hey, look, there's a giant ball in the dog's water. It's it's bizarre. I I, I think these things are like, they should be like outlawed. They're so dangerous in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's wild. They they definitely seem like they should not be allowed to be sold to children. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Poison Control agrees. Good. Well, you know what? I'm glad I'm not crazy because I was like, maybe I'm just being paranoid, but like also this seems, and then secondly, like there's, it's, you know, a hundred of them. And once you put water in them, if your kid's just like, no, I'm going to throw it on the floor, like congratulations, the rest of your life is picking up these water bottles. 
So yeah, I think um, we we are speeding along pretty quickly towards Act Three, which is why anyone watches this movie, to be honest with you. But there is one thing to mention beforehand, which is the classic put aftershave on your face, slap your face, and say ah scene. Mm-hmm. The thing I did not remember, okay, which I feel like should have just been addressed in the editing of this movie, is it happens twice. It does. He does it twice. Why? He did not learn. Well, why? Oh, so I didn't know why he did it. Why he yelled in the first place? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the the aftershave is high in alcohol, right? And so it causes your skin to not burn, but like it definitely does have like a tingle. Right? Was it because he had also actually shaved his face? No, I don't think just he a, sec- a couple seconds. I think he did. He had like did shaving he? cream on his face, and he was like shaving with okay. a razor. All right. I think. Well, as a as a as a person who does not have a beard, yeah. Like if you does it make it like if you shave your face and it makes then you it a put little the more aftershave tender, yeah. on yeah sure okay just any kind of any kind of uh, movement of a blade across skin will make the skin more sensitive for a period of time mm-hmm. it, it can also like open up the pores and so that can certainly be part of it but like when somebody I, I go to get my hair cut and they'll shave the back of my neck with like a straight razor and then they'll put aftershave on it's like it doesn't hurt that bad it's not a big deal. Well, yeah, I guess if you are a child, if you're a ten year old, maybe it's with, a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, maybe that alcohol yeah. doesn't hurt you. However, according to Poison Control, oh, uh, they're actually two different alcohol tips, and we're gonna sort of smush them all into one because yeah. there's no actual like drinking of alcoholic beverages in this film, right? Um, but many baking extracts contain high levels of alcohol. Okay, such um, as. Well, so for instance, uh, oh, like, vanilla. Like vanilla, yeah. Okay, yeah, gonna, vanilla yeah. is just alcohol, right? With vanilla, right. and then it bakes off when when you're baking. All right, everybody. Um, so if your family's getting a little bit annoying this year, just uh, take some of that vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Well, so, anyways, keep that out of reach of pets and children. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also just like alcohol, um, and alcohol poisoning is a is a really big problem for poison control every year. So make sure that. Um, you especially empty any unfinished alcoholic drinks like uh, holiday cocktails or eggnogs uh, and keep them away from kids and pets as well. Yeah. Yep. Good call. And the the last little bit to mention prior to getting into Act 3, which is, of, of course, uh, Kevin McAllister's booby trap city, I guess. Yeah. Uh, is So there are two things to mention. First, I, I just had a question for you. There's a part oh. where he goes out to get groceries. Okay. And then he goes to the checkout lady. Um, and that checkout lady is like, you know, where's your parents? It's like, where's your mom? Where's your dad? Where do you live? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like if I had a 10-year-old show up at my checkout line, like I'm not asking a bunch of questions. I feel like I don't. That's not my responsibility to get all up in his business. I, I might be like, hey, are you okay? Like, do you need help? And if the kid's like, no, I'm good. They'd be like, all right, go with God, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. He kid. seemed to provide very good answers to all of her questions, yeah. especially when she asked where he lived. And he's like, I can't tell you that. You're a stranger. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I I feel like I wouldn't even be like that invested in trying to find out those answers. I'm just like, man, this is somebody else's problem. I'm not child services. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe I'm a bad person, but this kid seemed to have it all together. So I'm going to leave it. He seemed to have it all together. He was also asked, like, he's asking about, you know, whether or not, oh, he has a coupon, yeah. you know, that he wants to use. So it, the, no red flags would necessarily go up for this kid. I think again, especially in the nineties when you had latchkey kids or whatever. Yeah. It's also just a little bit of like, maybe dramatic tension to be like, oh, is he going to get found out or something? But like, it just didn't do it anything for me. So right. I like, just be cool, lady. Just don't, don't rat this kid out. Just be cool. Right. Um, and then secondly, uh, when the mom calls the police officers. So infuriating. And they provide zero help whatsoever. This is one of those scenes though, where I'm just like, be better at speaking. Yes. Yeah. Just be better at talking to these people and say, okay, hold on. I, you know what? Let me back up really quickly. I have a young, young child who is by themselves. Yeah. A very young child. Yeah. You can lie. Who cares? Uh, but but make sure that you are expressing yourself clearly yeah. and, and speaking and so, and in so a like, way that you hey, explain everything. He's probably afraid, so he might not answer the door if the police knock on the door. So make sure to announce yourself and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, officer so-and-so. We hear you might be home alone. We'd be happy to help. Like, just whatever. Like, But the, the police obviously are bad at their jobs because that's mm-hmm. not what police do. The child protective services they transfer them to is like, interested in basically filling out certain checkboxes in order to like provide certain types of 
help or whatever. Right. Um, it's an indication that like these systems are broken and I always have been and police are not doing things to protect our children. The end. Uh, oh, but, okay. Just, yeah. I mean, well, I was just going to say, you know, you could also just say like, oh, there, um, there's a burglar in my house or my house is on uh, fire. No, um, don't be like there's a burglar in my house. Cause then the police will break into your house and shoot your child. Like, well, okay. Or the house is on fire, you okay, know, well. I, also, like there, there's any number of like emergencies that you could say are happening in your house. I to feel like get the you started officer. this conversation with you need to communicate better. And then you ended this conversation with lie to them. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you if communicating better to get them to get into your house where your child is includes lying because they're not listening, then that's also fine. I feel like the problem was just there were bad police officers. They were they're not meant to be doing the thing that they were being asked to do. And she was also not doing a very good job explaining it. And so but but the, really the, the reason that it happens that way is the narrative structure, right? right? People would ask themselves, well, why not just call the police and they'll fix it? Well, so you have to have that go down that road right. and then fail in order for you to realize, to set up the third act, right? Right. So the final thing before the third act, and is kind of a little bit of a payoff in like early stage, is he goes to a church for some reason. Kevin goes to a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees the old guy who's there, sits down next to him, and um, he's like, I'm not a bad person. You can just say, hi, I'm just a normal guy. And then they start talking as though they've been buddies forever. And the thing that bugged me the most, I really didn't like the scene. I, I think the scene is uh, awful. Okay. But the, the the old man is like, yeah, we talked. haven't talked to my son in a long time because, you know, we got into a fight and he said, never want to hear from me again. I said, never want to talk to him again, blah, blah, blah. And, and Kevin's like, yeah, you know, uh, why don't you, how do you know if he's changed his mind? And the guy's like, well, I guess I don't. I should probably call him up or whatever. And then like Kevin goes on to say something. I forget what it was that he was comparing this to. He's like, oh, and my you know, school or whatever, we had this thing and I didn't like it. And I wanted to talk about something else. I forget what exactly he said, but it was definitely something a 10 year old would say. And I feel like, like that guy should just be like, I'm talking about my actual son. I don't know my son anymore. Like, I don't care about your little school project that you messed up or whatever it was. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, I felt it to be, uh, squeezed in there and like trying to like do a little holiday spirity kind of thing and mm-hmm. did not work for me at all. Yeah. I, it's interesting because they do again they're trying they they're trying to make a movie for kids and adults and so yeah. i get why they're trying to toss that in there and i think that like when i was little it's just it was just a weird thing again to me around like when would you ever have a father and son just like disown each other and not talk and it's just like uh, it was just a thing as a child where i was just like i can't possibly imagine and mm. now we're in the trump age where plenty of parents and children have disowned each other and from people that we know in in New York, sure. where like there's just plenty of people who don't get along with their families, and and I'm like, oh, I guess I get it now. As a kid, I was like, this is ridiculous. Sure. And as a grown up, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Well, rather than torture your family, mm. you can torture some burglars because that is all of Act Three. Right. <laughs> this film is resolved by a, a Rube Goldberg series of traps and uh, and like basically torture devices Mm -hmm. that Kevin has put into his house to prevent the wet bandits from breaking in. You know, honestly, I don't know what they're trying to do at this point. Like it doesn't really matter too much, but like, are they going to murder him if they get inside? Like, is that the implication here? Or are they going to just like tie him up and rob his house? Like, I mean, he definitely did threaten to bite his fingers off. Sure did. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. Uh, like gen- genuinely was about to bite his fingers off. So I think murder okay. is probably correct. Lo- love a kid's love a kid's Christmas movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but the th- here's the thing. This movie has been talked to death and has been the subject of many behind the scenes, documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And I struggled to find like a fresh take on the film, mm-hmm. right? So I went into like the deep, dark recesses of the internet to try and find like what is something that people have said that's new or novel. And there is a a reasonably uh, large section of very disturbed people who think that this is the origin story for Mm -hmm. the Jigsaw killer in the Saw franchise, (laughs) that Kevin McAllister grows up to become the Jigsaw killer who puts all these elaborate traps in place to like murder people. Okay. Uh, So that's, that's, that's a fun takeaway. I personally, I could see it. Like he's definitely coming up with very inventive ways to maim, murder, and to, and harm his uh, potential captors. His would-be captors, his yeah. His would-be assailants. I, um, I don't know anything about the Saw movies because I don't watch scary movies. Yeah, they're bad. 
Like the first one's okay, but they're, they're mostly bad. Uh, but the, so, okay. So here is the, the thing that, the other thing I would think is like, if I were going to break into a house, mm-hmm. I knew there were a kid there mm-hmm. and I go to break into the door with the dog door in it and I get shot. Mm-hmm. I would simply turn around and leave. <laughs> I would simply rob all the other houses in the neighborhood that don't have children with guns in them. Sure. Like once the kid, like I realize it's a BB gun or a pellet gun or something. But once he's taken that out and decided, okay, I'm going to shoot these people as the person who would be is a would be target. I would say, well, I will avoid that. Right. I don't, I don't know what else he has in there. Maybe he's got a larger gun that he's willing to shoot me with. Right. I. It's interesting because like I know what a BB gun is now and you know what a BB gun is. And I think that we know from when we're little and there's yeah. also like the Christmas story, which also has a, B, a BB gun. Right. Um. The, the movie, The Christmas Story, doesn't have yep, yep, the yeah, Red yeah, Rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do people in other countries know that these are BB guns? Or do they just see this and they're like, well, that's, that's America. America's got guns? I mean, America's got guns. He's just, it just must be kind of a funny, you know, not, not as powerful yeah. for a funny effect I gun. Don't, I don't have an answer for you on that one, but I can, yeah. I can certainly ask around. Yeah, I guess I'm just curious about that because it seems like... Uh, it, it's very normalized because yeah. it's America, but yeah. people in other countries just horrified that this child is able to Why access a Why does a child a have a gun just hanging on his wall? Yeah. And these grownups are not afraid of it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Uh, so they, Marvin and Harry split up. They go through a couple of different places to try and get into the house. I think, um, what is it? Marv goes down um, to the basement mm-hmm. and, and Kevin McAllister has iced all of the stairs. So first of all, very difficult for Harry to get into the front door. He keeps falling down, can't make it through. And also the handle has been like heated up by, by Kevin. Right. So he burns himself on the handle. Uh, Marv, on the other hand, goes in through the basement, um, pulls an iron down onto his face, and then walks up like steps that have been covered in tar or something. Yeah, I think it's like tar. Yeah. And so he loses a shoe, loses his other shoe, loses a sock, loses his other sock, and for some reason continues to walk in bare feet on the tar. Uh-huh. And steps on a nail, a nail like yes. through his whole ass foot. Yep. Dude, leave. Walk away. You... My father did that, I'm pretty sure, Ugh. when he was younger. Ugh. That happened to him. Not with tar. Yeah. My mom once put a pitchfork down on her foot, I believe, oh. but it went through her shoe, but in between her toes. So oh. she got very lucky to not have impaled herself. Sure. Um, but yeah, so um, that that's the one element of the, like, part of the movie that I can't, like, it makes me queasy, um, that particular stepping on the nail. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he steps on the nail, falls backwards, runs out of the basement, and eventually sneaks in through a window by the Christmas tree. And that is where he steps on ornaments with his feet that have all been torn up. So now he's got cracked chunks of ornaments stuck inside of his feet. Right. Well, and also, according to Poison Control, make sure that you use caution with antique ornaments, because those that are not made in the United States may uh, be decorated with lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, re- great. Lead paint. Perfect. So in addition to don't step on them with your bare feet, yeah. uh, you know, don't eat them. Don't touch them in the touch of mouth. Yeah. lick them. Yeah. So while Marv is going in through the window, Harry is going in through, I believe it's the door, like the back door with the dog door again. Uh, but as he opens the door, it triggers. Somehow, <laughs> this family just lives in a place with a flamethrower. I'm not sure what this is for. Uh, this device is for, but it shoots fire onto uh, Harry's head, right. burns off his hat, and uh, basically takes his hair with it too. Although he was he had a pretty clean shaven head in the first place. But. Yes, well, uh, and and again, so according to poison control, mm-hmm. make sure that you don't burn your head, obviously, <laughs> but don't burn wrapping paper or foil or garlands or tinsel oh. uh, inside okay. because it... uh, inhaling the fumes. Yeah, yeah. I would also imagine there's like particulate. Yeah, all of it's that like, do stuff. Do you want glitter lungs? Because that's how you get glitter lungs. Yeah, all that stuff can be uh, really bad for your body. So, in addition to don't burn your head. Yeah. You know, don't burn uh, wrapping paper stuff. Yeah, don't burn things and then breathe it in with your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I thought was the, the most funny about this is like after he got his head burned, like dunked it into the ice or the snow, uh-huh. he just runs back and like karate kicks the door and it like flings open. Right. And like knocks the thing. I'm like. Maybe y'all should have been more aggressive in the first place. <laughs> like, I don't know. It seems like y'all have been pretty tentative and that's been the problem. Or like just maybe, maybe not paying attention. I don't know. 
Um, but anyway, so they they're now both inside the house. Mm-hmm. Kevin is leading them through the house, uh, and and he's going to run up to the attic where he has set up a zip line to get across to another another house. Um, he hits them in the head with some paints that paint cans that he swung from the um, upper part of the stairs to knock them off mm-hmm. and down. And like at a certain point, like these dudes just have broken backs and like necks and like, right. But, but I, I like viscerally felt a lot of yeah. the 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 various different injuries yes. that they incurred. Somehow these dudes are immortal, but like have been sentenced to purgatory. <laughs> like like they, they are just going to be tortured forever. This is but, the bad place. Yeah, this is the bad place. Uh, but they, they eventually get upstairs and um, Marv grabs him by the pant leg as he's trying to escape. But at this time, Macaulay Culkin's character, Kevin, sees the tarantula that's been just chilling. It's been just, just like, like rolling around the house, having a good time. Hanging out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so the previous to this, this pet, was uh, a pie out yep. of reach, out of sight. Well, according to poison control, you also want to keep items that are dangerous to pets up high and out of sight mm. and out of reach. Things like chocolate, candy, products containing uh, xylitol, which is a oh, sugar yeah. substitute, yep. any kind of uh, bread dough or fatty meat scraps, raisins, alcohol, medicine, recreational or illegal drugs, all of those things that you should have been locking away for yeah, early Anyways, on, yeah. earlier that we talked about, make sure that you keep them away from your pets as well, even your pet tarantulas. Okay. And Indiana's here on the floor saying, you know that bit about fatty meat scraps? Ignore that part. You, yes. can, you can leave that on the floor. I'll take care of it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he gets up uh, upstairs, scooches across that uh, zip line. And uh, at this point, I forget what like the point was. They make the, the, the wet bandits make the point twice where it's like, now he wants us to go back downstairs through like his... House of Horrors. We're gonna climb out across right. this on the on the zip line, and as they climb across the zip line, he cuts it, which of course he does, and they swing and smack into the wall of the house. My question is like, it's only a two story house. Mm-hmm. You could just let go of the thing, and right? You'd, you'd fall maybe ten feet. And you'd be I fine. mean, you would hurt. Get some. It would hurt, but like pretty bad, like internal no, or, no. organs. I have jumped from ten feet high before. It is not the end of the world. Well, speaking of irreversible damage to internal organs, our final tip from oh, yeah. poison control. Oh, right. I forgot about the, um, with the spider crawling across Harry's stomach and Marv is going to get him and smack him with a crowbar. Well, they do that, right? Yeah. But then again, even if you fall from a great height, right? These yeah. are always to, to to damage your internal organs. Another mm. way that you Shout could out damage. Such great heights. There you go. Uh, another way that you could potentially damage your internal organs is by swallowing lithium disc batteries. Oh yeah, that'll get you. Um, and also magnets. So make sure that you keep those away from kids and pets this year. Yeah. Or always. Always and forever. So many things we've created in our life will kill us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was all of our, uh, all of our tips, all of our tips from poison control. Yeah. The one thing I will say about those batteries, they yeah. actually do, they now make them with like a bitter tasting coating. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you get them, get the, get it with those on there. So even if accidentally a kid does find their way to those batteries, they will put it in their mouth and be like, Bleh. yeah, or out. just swallow it faster. No, I, yeah, I mean, I hope not, but the, <laughs> just yeah, kidding. Yeah. No, keep it away. It is one of my, one of my greatest fears. <laughs> yes. Yes. So keep your batteries and magnets away from kids and pets. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, McAllister eventually, um, runs through another uh, house and he's like, oh, you guys have to chase me or you're not going to catch me or whatever. And they're like, wait a second. He wants us to go follow him. So they go around the other side. They grab him as he comes up and they hang him on the door. And then uh, the neighbor comes. The, the, the neighbor comes with a shovel and wangs him on the head, mm-hmm. uh, the, the wet bandits. And then police come and arrest them. And then uh, Kevin's like, oh, okay. I'm, it's super weird, though, that Kevin the entire time is like, I'm just going to not talk to the cops. So here's the thing. This is my biggest complaint. It is he has had several instances where he is engaged in conversations with adults. Mm-hmm. There's the moment in the church where he's actually becoming friends with the older guy. Mm-hmm. And he could just say, like, hey, man, I don't know. I, these guys are said they were going to come by my house at nine o'clock tonight and rob the place. Do you think you could come with me and like maybe call the cops and just have them waiting? Right. Movie solved, like problem done. Like, I don't know. It's, it, 
you have to suspend disbelief and and you're relying a lot on the fact that like well he's 10 so he doesn't know what to do he's just doing the thing that he thinks of right right it's like it at, at 10 i would have yeah. been fine or here's the generous interpretation this guy already came to his house dressed as a cop so he doesn't know who he can trust <laughs> Kevin McAllister's like, a cab. I don't know these people. <laughs> how, how many of them are working? How many are getting a cut from the wet bandits? Yeah. How many I don't know. Are, are you actually payroll? a cop and also yeah. you're Jesus. a wet bandit? Uh, but <sighs> Double agent. You don't know. He, uh, he also didn't trust the cop earlier when it came to his house to try and like check on him. So he's just like, I don't, I don't trust. I don't trust yeah. the cops. Yeah, that's fair. Whatever. So anyway, he goes back to sleep for the last night. He asks Santa. It's a Christmas Eve. He asks Santa for one thing and one thing only, which is his family, his family back. back. And he wakes up in the morning and they're not there. And he's a little bummed about it. But then in through the door comes his mom and they get a big hug and it's very heartwarming. And then right she... behind the mom <laughs> comes the rest of the family. Right. Because uh, she they... only had to wait. Yeah, she she ended up like taking this roundabout way, which took just as long as if she had waited for the ne- flight the next day. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we, you know, I think that sort of wraps up where we can just maybe talk about um, the the final big story, which again is like the the giant bomb cyclone is what they're calling it. Okay. Um, and it's just this massive weather system that is going to be affecting up to two hundred million people. Okay. By Christmas, which this is being released on Christmas Day, this podcast. Uh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, right. So um, we are recording on Wednesday of this week. And so it's we are speaking to you from the past, assuming the worst Mm -hmm. from this weather system that has made its way through. Um, Over 90 million people as of today are under a winter storm advisory and more than 135 million faced wind chill alerts. Um, President Biden, FEMA, and the National Weather Service are all advising people to take this threat seriously. So hopefully uh, three days from now, you have taken it seriously and uh, you are staying safe and warm. My one of my buddies uh, is in, I think, St. Paul or Minneapolis, and he uh, said that it was like negative 34 today and that he got a flat tire Yikes! and he had to get out there in negative 34 degrees and change into his spare on his own. Oh, no. I was like, whew, boy. And and for those who don't know, like I've I've uh, when I was in 17, I went to visit a friend in Scandinavia in the middle of winter. And so I have experienced negative 40 degrees and you may say, well, what do you mean for us? Negative 40 Fahrenheit or negative 40 Celsius? When you get that low, it is the point at which those two scales converge. Right. So you actually don't have to be specific. <laughs> it is so cold that it doesn't really matter what scale you're using. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, well, and so this ne- this weather is also already affecting airlines. It's expected to create massive airline delays, yeah. making it impossible to get back to your child from right. Paris. Probably knock down some phone lines. To Chicago. Pro- yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the airlines right now are actually trying to get people to rebook their flights as much as possible sure. and waiving the rebook fee okay. that they have on the um, that they have for for flights right now, but uh, it is it is looking very very bad. So hopefully everybody is where they need to be by yeah. the time you're listening to this. You're yep. staying safe. You're staying warm. Because uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough few it's days. Rough out there. You should just go watch Home Alone on yeah. Disney Plus <laughs> or one of the four sequels. Four sequels. Yes, there was Home Alone two, right? Boston, New York. There's Home Alone 3, which I think has one of the, those like 90s kids yeah. uh, or like early 2000s kids. I don't know anything about Home Alone 4. And then in 2021, there was uh, Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh, no. Uh, which, they're all available on Disney+. Plus. Um, they're all, I mean, so the first two are good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like a version of the second one with uh, What's-His-Face edited out of it. But yeah. um, other than that, like I wouldn't, wouldn't spend your time on any of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as one like final anecdote, just to to close out the podcast, I do think it's worth saying that we tell our child stories sometimes that we make up. (laughs) Um, And Forrest has one that's called like Dan, Dan, the dragon man. And um, Dan, you know, uh, has a pet dragon and uh, I'm not great at making up stories whole cloth. And so when Cassius would ask me to tell him a Dan, Dan, the dragon man story, I definitely would tell him 
Dan Dan the Dragon Man stories of all, yeah. uh, basically just recounting the plot of Home Alone right over and over again to this child who thinks that I am hilarious. Yeah, thinks that she has made up the entire <laughs> story of Home Alone. And one day he's going to watch this movie. He's not old enough to watch it yet. And one day he will watch this movie and and go, oh. We we I, I talked about it uh, with him. I was I was mentioning like Home Alone for some reason, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Mama has told me the story of Home Alone." And I was like, "Yep, she sure has." <laughs> so. He he knows. He's, yeah, he's, that, and I also told him the story of Khaleesi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he he would um, be fine watching the movie. There are a couple of scary parts early on, especially with the old guy and with the furnace. Yeah, he wouldn't like that. But once once you get to Act Three, he would be like, "Yeah, this is the good stuff." He loves pranks. He loves pranks. Yeah, he loves turning things into weapons. Mm-hmm. Like he's you know. Uh, he would be very aligned with Kevin McAllister at the yeah. end of that movie. There's absolutely a reason that this appealed to tons of children yeah. when we were younger. Oh yeah. Yeah. It hits, uh, very quickly. We don't have to do recommendations, do we? Cause like every human being has seen this movie. Like, yeah. I mean, you should watch it. It's a great movie if you haven't watched it. Yeah. And also of course you've watched it. Right. Yeah. It's on every network forever. Always. So right. if you've ever seen cable TV, you've seen this movie. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that wraps it up for us. Anything that you want to say before we close out? Uh, no, just happy holidays um, and stay safe, stay warm. Yeah. And I, I will say uh, as of episode 52, we've done a year of these. Thank everyone for coming along with us. Our first episodes were Christmas time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see how this podcast has evolved over the course of, you know, uh, our kid growing up and sometimes being home from school and sometimes dealing with pandemic stuff and all of that. Um, it's been a very interesting year. And so we'll... Uh, we might either take a break next week or do a best of next week. And then uh, in the new year, we'll, we'll see what we, uh, we'll see what, what happens. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, but thanks everybody for coming along on the journey. Thank uh, you. Please feel free to rate review and subscribe. Send us to your best friend and tell them to listen. Uh, it would be, be lovely uh, to grow this audience going into 2023. That's right. Uh, again, happy holidays to everybody and uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at the Crosscut on Instagram. We are at the Crosscut pod and uh, yeah, have a great holiday weekend folks. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs>